year. Thanksgiving fell late, and we were finishing up our lesson on Sabbath consciousness, and we had our church family business meeting last week. By the way, if you did not hear the church family business meeting last week, please go listen online. It does give a broad context of where we've been and where we are and where we're going. So today, on this last Sunday of Advent, I want to redress our inattention and make up for lost time. So the whole Advent season getting dumped right onto this Sunday. Are you ready? We're going to have to move quickly. (laughs) Late as we are, I would like to take up the annual pilgrimage into the themes that our tradition has been following for thousands of years, for centuries at least. Advent is an annual reminder of truths that are larger than ourselves. Daily life is comprised of repetitive ordinariness, repetitive ordinariness, repetitive ordinariness, punctuated by some rather extreme and occasional bouts of drama. But life is filled with ordinariness. In between the bouts of the drama, pretty much the same. And in this sea of ordinariness, we need reminders. We need reminders to lift our eyes to a distant horizon, to lift our eyes to a horizon of bigger truths, to lift our eyes to a horizon of hope and a horizon of promise. Because there's something inside of us very deep that speaks to us of time beyond time. And there is something deep inside of us that speaks to us and is aware of these very deep reservoirs of love within us, these deep reservoirs of peace and goodness within us. And there is something deep, deep within us that holds a quiet confidence that pain and that evil and that the challenging hardships of life do not have the final say. But because of the inattentiveness that often accompanies ordinariness and repetitive ordinariness, we need reminders to bring ourselves back to the focus on those things that are deep within us. We need a rhythmic returning to those places within us, and one of the downbeats of that rhythm is Advent. Once a year, we return to a series of truths and we rehearse them. We give our attention to them and we rest our eyes away from the mundane and we think about the transcendent. We rest our eyes away from the mundane and we think about those things that inspire hope. We rest our eyes away from the mundane And we think about that which inspires those deepest longings within us. With a pretty good understanding of human nature, our spiritual forebears designed an annual calendar that has part of it certain feasts of celebration. And one of those is the Feast of Christmas. And preceding the Feast of Christmas was the season of Advent. Because with a pretty good understanding of human nature, what the ancients what our forebears recognized is that celebration without uh, preparation leads to dissipation. 
And so we consequently have as part of our tradition a season that prepares us. Actually, the season of Advent was designed to be quiet, to be still, and to be solemn. And then the celebration started at Christmas time and went for the days after that. So we have a whole season of Christmas. We have several Sundays that comprise the Feast of Christmas. And you've heard of the 12 days of Christmas. The season after Christmas was designed to be the time of celebration. The season leading up to the Feast of Christmas was designed to be a time of quiet and stillness. Oh, well, that's not what we do today. Now, Christmas starts shortly after Halloween, and it just goes straight through. And by the time we get to the Feast of Christmas, it's, oh, my God, am I tired. (laughs) All I want to do is just fall in a pile, fall in a puddle. And so we don't do the preparatory work that is part of making celebration so powerful and meaningful to our souls. So here at NRCC, what we've done is we've worked hard at just bringing a gentle reminder. We're not going to go up against this tidal wave that is going on in our culture around us and when. So what we do is just bring a moment of awareness and say that preparation is important. Stillness and quiet is important, even during this season. So what we've done as the in our tradition is design a season that is designed to elevate our eyes. Because ours is not the first generation to lose sight of heaven. Ours is not the first generation for whom making a life and making a living obscures our soul's hunger for eternity. And ours is not the first generation for whom the urgent things of making a business, making a deal, making a living hide the deep longings and hungers of our souls. So just as we have a weekly rhythm of returning to the ancient truths each Sunday... And just as we have a daily rhythm of the spiritual practices that bring us to awareness training and bring us, bring us to learning, bring us to the meditative practices, we also have an annual rhythm. We remember things bigger than ourselves, bigger than our problems, bigger than our ambitions, bigger than our desires. Now, 2,000 years ago, a seminal event occurred that shapes our lives. And at Advent season, at the Feast of Christmas, we return our attention to the implications of that event. Divine life burst in upon the mundane. Divine life burst in upon the ordinary. And life was changed. Divine truth intersected run-of-the-mill daily blindness to the bigger issues of life. And an invitation was extended those years ago. From the realm of the transcendent, an invitation was given to the realm of the ordinary to walk a new and living way. That's the way one of our ancient texts talks about it. A new journey, a spiritual journey. And during Advent each year, we celebrate that invitation and we re-up our commitment to take the invitation at face value. We celebrate our own lives and our own souls, and we celebrate the countless lives of those who have gone before us, having taken up the offer, those who have walked this journey, this spiritual journey. Now, the word Advent means an arrival or a coming. We celebrate that in the person of Jesus. We celebrate that the divine arrived. We celebrate celebrate that the divine has come to us. 
in the person of Jesus, a new and living way of being human exploded into human history. And in the person of Jesus, we were exposed to life, and we were exposed to, to light, and we were exposed to truth and to hope in a profound and in a very deep way, and it changed everything. So, for centuries, people on this spiritual journey of ours have been celebrating these four Sundays leading up to the Feast of Christmas. We light candles. We, in some traditions, have little boxes that we would open up each day leading up to Advent, each one having a spiritual reminder, a focused recentering. Now, it's kind of denigrated the placard when you open it up now, just a candy, but it wasn't supposed to be a candy. <laughs> and we give focus to our souls, and we give focus to our lives. And over the years, setting aside these four weeks of reflection, people began to realize something about divine love, and that was that it was far, far bigger than we initially understood. It was more than just a celebration of a one-time event at a time in the past. We celebrate a continuum of adventing. We celebrate that our God has come, that our God is come now among us and is present, and that our God will come at every tomorrow that we face. Consequently, Advent has become for us a celebration of immovable hope. Things are difficult for many people this season. Just on the way to church, I was hearing about some states that are facing close to a 9% unemployment rate as we go into this Christmas season. Mike was just telling me this week about his company where several people were laid off just last week. There's an uncertain economic outlook for many this Christmas season. But it's not just the environment of the national life that we face right now. Challenges often blow up. Life has a way of blowing stiff resistance into our paths all the time. Relational difficulties, inner points of weakness and failure that just seem to crop up perennially, perennially again and again and again inner weaknesses that we cannot seem to get victory over, job troubles, home troubles, physical troubles. So between our focus being grabbed by the challenges we face and the limited attention spans that we have for things transcendent, it is a human tendency to forget things spiritual, to forget things that happen in the deep, deep parts of our souls. The surface things, the less real things, the less meaningful but much more urgent things and much more frightening things, these tend to supplant our attention and our focus. It's a pretty common experience to have moments of mountaintop clarity. It's a pretty common experience to see things clearly when our souls are clear. It's a pretty common experience also to forget what we saw when we were on the mountaintop, to forget what we saw when our souls were clear. It's a pretty common experience to forget the revelations that came to us when we read our sacred texts. It's a pretty common experience to forget the peace that we accessed when we overlooked the sea or overlooked the mountains or overlooked a mighty river. It's a pretty common experience to forget the clarity that we experienced when in some 
life challenge. We had a point of victory. We learned a significant lesson, and our souls were changed by some point of wisdom. It's a pretty common experience to forget those things. The urgencies of life tend to supplant the spiritual insights, and we forget. We forget the promises of the divine. We forget the revelations of God that it is well with our souls. We forget the moments of connectedness we had when we knew that we were safe in the arms of God, in the arms of the universe. We forget those moments when it becomes clear to us that we are loved. We are loved. We are loved. That there is goodness that trumps even the most dire of circumstances we forget. We forget those moments when we know that there is a peace that trumps even the most frightening of days. It's just human experience to forget these things. So the calendar of our religion was designed to return us at least once a year to the rhythm of remembering. And what we remember is this. God has prevailed. God is prevailing. And God will prevail. What we remember is that what we remember is this. That no matter what befalls us in our lives, good triumphs over evil. Wholeness trumps brokenness. Paradise defeats hell. And sanity defeats the madness of the crazed world. Again, no matter what befalls us, good triumphs over evil. Wholeness trumps brokenness. Paradise defeats hell, and sanity defeats the madness of a crazed world. This is the message of Jesus. This is the message of the saints who have gone before us. This is the message of the sages and the prophets and the ancient scriptures, and this is a message of hope. Now, I've had this experience in life, an observation that I've made about the way things work. Perhaps you would share something of this experience. It goes like this. Someone, in some context, is in a crisis. Life gets shattered by some tragedy, some great fear befalls, some knee is skinned, some bad thing happens. And when this happens to someone, there is typically a group of people surrounding the person to whom it has happened, and the inclination of these people is to try and comfort the person in the throes of whatever the challenge is. And often the form that that comfort takes is this. The comforter puts his or her arms around the comfortee, and almost inevitably these words come out. Everything's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Now, when this happens, I never really thought through my response to it. I never reasoned it out. I just experienced it. But something would inevitably happen inside of me. From the time I was a youth, I would have this instinctive response. Whenever I would see this common human experience depicted on film, whenever I would see this common human experience happening around me, whenever this thing would go on, I would immediately respond, you don't know that. You don't know that everything's going to be all right. In fact, it is equally possible from this point on things are going to get worse and not better. It is quite possible that things are not only not going to be okay, but they could become progressively more and more terrible with each passing moment. You don't know that. How is it that you can stand and say, everything's going to be all right? 
Now, I could give mental assent to the human reality that most stuff tends to work itself out, and there is some wisdom that just comes from the observation of life that most stuff is going to be fine, but you cannot say everything will be all right because they just might not be all right. Now, to me, this response that happened didn't seem particularly out of the norm. It didn't seem even particularly curmudgeonly. It just seemed to be honest. However, as I've aged, the definition of honest has changed as well. As I've matured, I've considered things not only from the valley of the mundane, but also from the mountain of the spiritual life. And I've come to revisit my response. I think what's happened to me is not unlike what Mayumi teaches in the Aikido class, where one of the things that she teaches is what you have to do simply to understand life and to keep yourself in a positive frame of mind is just keep backing up further and further and further from the details. Because as you back up further, your horizon expands and you take in more of reality. And as you take in more of reality, your problem that when we were standing close consumed the horizon now just becomes a very small piece of the horizon. And when we look at a bigger picture, we see that. Well, that's what the spiritual life has done for me. And I've come to believe this as I've walked this spiritual journey over time, that no matter what befalls us in life, good triumphs over evil and wholeness trumps brokenness, and paradise defeats hell, and sanity defeats the madness of a crazed world. And I've come to believe that indeed everything is going to be all right. Things are going to be okay. I've come to believe that this is a safe universe. God made it that way. I've come to believe that we are safe. I've come to believe that Divine life intersected time and space in the person of Jesus, and that changes everything. I've come to believe that divine life intersects time and space here in each moment through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and that changes everything. And I've come to believe that divine life will intersect time and space, and eternity and any future that unfolds will have present within it divine life. I don't believe that I can stand here and promise you that no hardship will befall you. I don't believe that I can stand here and tell you that you're not going to have a financial turnaround. I don't believe that I can stand here and tell you that tragedy will not come into your life. But I do believe that irrespective of whatever befalls us, everything is going to be all right. It's just a matter of standing back far enough to see the implications that God has come for us. God is present for us, and God will come for us in the future. No matter what circumstances befall us, today, tomorrow, and throughout eternity, our God comes for us. Now, Advent celebrates this great truth. Advent reminds us of this great truth. All of creation The ancient scriptures all are telling us now that everything is being reconciled to God. Everything is going to be all right. Jesus revealed this to us in a way that opens 
our hearts to the deepest hungers of our souls to be fulfilled. For there is a place that is deep, deep within us. And if you go to that place and you listen, you will hear the singular voice saying, everything is all right. Everything is all right. Now the season of Advent is an invitation to lift our eyes from the mundane to the heights. The season of Advent is an invitation to come and see that Christ has offered to us life and love and hope and that the Spirit of Christ is present within us to take us to that place and that the Spirit of Christ will be present no matter what befalls us for all of human existence. Advent rekindles within us an expectation, an anticipation, and reminds us of our deepest longings. The people of Israel were once enslaved by Egypt. We ourselves find a form of enslavement from time to time. We also often face a bondage in our own lives and souls. It doesn't usually take the form of one foreign power dominating another, but instead we become enslaved to urgency. We become enslaved to this place that steals away our peace, the patterns of life that take it from us. We become enslaved to how we process pain and how we process heartache. We become enslaved to a response that we have to circumstances, to relationships, to challenges and difficulty. We become enslaved to a mundane world that was filled with nothing less than fulfilling our trivial ambitions. And the ancients instituted Advent to open our eyes so that we would become dissatisfied with our enslavement. Dissatisfied with being captured by lesser gods and to raise our eyes to heaven so that our dissatisfaction would be provoked within us at merely storing up the treasures of this earth. To raise our eyes to see beyond and to be dissatisfied with how things are given the promise of how they could be. Dissatisfied with how broken the earth around us is and to raise our eyes to the promise of a different kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about, the kingdom of God that has an economy that's different than this economy, the economy of jubilee, the economy of caring for one another, the economy of watching out for one another, dissatisfied with how things are in the enslaved world with the promise of how they could be. Politics that is shaped not by getting ahead for one's party or getting ahead by one, of one's personal ambition, but politics that instead is focused on the care and the watching over the well-being of others. And a social structure that creates webs of care instead of an increasing reality of haves and have-nots. And what happens when we raise our eyes to Advent and we hear the promise of the kingdom of God Jesus talked about, we are supposed to get dissatisfied with anything less. Dissatisfied and stirred. Stirred to step in and become agents of the promise. Advent reminds us that we are dissatisfied on this planet because enslavement is so much a part of life here. Dissatisfied because we are created for something deeper. 
Advent calls us to step out of that enslavement and to enter into the life of the divine dance, to enter into the life where the divine present within is rekindled and there is an expectation that goes with that rekindling, an anticipation and a hope and a longing of a life that is better, a life that is truer, a life that is more real, a life that more accurately reflects the values of the divine. And just like the people who had been enslaved in Egypt, our God comes for us as well. The divine addresses that longing and addresses that dissatisfaction within our souls. We say these words during this season of the year with certain regularity, love and joy and peace. But because we've repeated them for so long, divorced from the Advent process of raising our eyes to the truth, they become for us merely platitudes, things that you're supposed to say at this time of year on a Christmas card. But there's so much more than that. For hundreds of years, for centuries, God's people have stood to testify to the reality that these things are real concepts that change real lives, love and joy and peace on earth. These things are accessible. And Advent reminds us that the spiritual journey rewards those who become truly awake and those who become truly alive and those who access the divine spirit within. Advent reminds us that the spiritual journey allows us to find those deepest elements of our souls, a new and living way, a new way of being alive, a new way of being spiritual, a new way of being human. And further, Advent reminds us that life on this earth is designed for that very human fulfillment that longs for and yearns for things to be better. The tyranny of justice, the promise of God is that it will be destroyed. The divine redeems and restores us in the face of injustice. And then, having done so, addressed injustice and tyranny within our own hearts, then sends us forth to become agents of the divine advent. So that when we stand at the end of this service and we say, put your hand on your heart, extend your other hand to your city, you will run into tyranny out there. You will run into injustice out there. And we become agents of the advent of God, the coming of God to that place. And when we walk into it, we begin the process of dismantling tyranny. Even if it's something as small as being in the workplace, we become agents of dismantling injustice. We go forth for the purpose of the divine advent coming with us. This is the way that we are changed by the raising of our eyes to a different horizon. Robin, if you'd reach behind you and turn on the air, I'm getting hot. And then what will happen is the air will start blowing here and then the heat will start blowing over there. So if somebody go turn the heat off over there. <laughs> the tyranny not only of injustice, but the tyranny of rejection and disregard, these things can be defeated. It is a spirit within our culture, within our society, that people walk around having experienced rejection and have experienced being disregarded. And the promise of Advent is that the divine life within us explodes healing and restoration of those, of those kinds of things. And then, again, sends us forth to become agents of the advent of God, to become agents, conduits of the coming of God, wherever we find people who have experienced rejection, wherever we find people who have been disregarded, we walk into that situation then to be the divine spirit present among us. 
And Advent reminds us that habitual failures, points of soul-trapping addiction, these things can be defeated. And God redeems these in us as well and sends us forth to be agents of the divine wherever people are stuck in soul habits, wherever people are stuck in body habits, wherever people are stuck in mind habits, and they can't find that place of victory, we come as agents of divine acceptance and divine love and divine companionship that gives the strength for those to step out. This is the spirit of Advent, the purpose of Advent, why we raise our eyes to see a different kingdom. God has come. God is present now. And God will come to any future that unfolds. Advent's a time when we celebrate this hope. Advent is a time that when we are reminded to take up that hope and become conduits of it to the world around us. And Advent is a time to remember the promise and to celebrate it. Now, Jesus was born on a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday, but it was a day. And on that day, Mary cried out in the pain of labor and childbirth. And on that day, Joseph caught the body of an infant, and they cleaned that body, and they wrapped that body, and they nursed that body, and they burped that body. That happened on a day. And 33 years worth of days later, a grave was filled on a Friday and emptied on a Sunday. And it happened on a day. And those days changed the way we see life. Those days exploded the constraints that were on our thinking. Those days decimated the power of circumstances to destroy us. And those days revealed evil to be the paper tiger that it is. Those days revealed love and those days revealed hope. And those days revealed that promise that all of these would be victorious and that good would triumph. And those days opened our eyes and allowed us to hope, to dare to hope for yet another day. Because on another day, perhaps on a Monday or a Thursday or a Friday, you and I are going to take our last breath on this earth. And on that day, something happens, and I honestly don't know what it is. But I suspect that the mystery of life on the other side will be revealed. I suspect we will see God. I suspect that the failures of our lives will be washed away and redeemed. I suspect that we will be immersed in full and complete love. And I suspect that all goodness that we lack will be completed and filled and become ours. And I suspect that any truth that we have missed along the way will become ours and that whatever is broken will be made whole. I've come to believe that no circumstance that befalls us can change that reality. So if we stand back far enough and we begin to take in that reality the circumstances of our days take on diminishing importance and we come to believe that we are safe and we come to believe that our God has come for us 
And we come to believe that if we have eyes to see, God has come for us. God is always present for us, and God will come for us in any tomorrow that we face. And so consequently, we can face the challenges and adversities of our days with a different mind. We can face the challenges and difficulties of our days with a different heart. We can be at peace in the midst of adversity. We can be whole when our souls are facing tremendous, stiff challenges. Our God has come for us. Our God is present for us. And our God will always come for us. So be reminded this Advent to lift your eyes. Be reminded this Advent to see beyond the mundane. Be reminded this Advent to see beyond the ordinary. Because hope is yours promise is yours, and everything is going to be all right. So, Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts. I ask that you would open our eyes that we may see all that is born of truth, see all that has been promised us, and that we may see the new and living way that has given for us to, been given for us to walk. May we, in this new year that opens now before us, have eyes to see beyond the mundane, have eyes to see beyond the ordinary, have eyes that have been opened to truths that are the deepest truths and the realest truths. And we may we have hearts that are reminded and souls that are focused and attentive. May that be so among us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.